So Daniel chapter 9, we've uh, been studying through the book of Daniel. And uh, let's stand together and read verses 1 through 3 together. In the first year of Darius the son of Ahasuerus, by descent Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word, according to the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, seventy years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. God, we come humbly, uh, standing in reverence and honor of Your holy and powerful Word. And we ask You, Lord, to speak to us. God, help us as Daniel did, that where we don't understand Your Word or where we are struggling, that we turn to You, we seek Your face. And we recognize that uh, it is us that needs to change. It's us that needs guidance and wisdom and direction. Your Word doesn't need to change. Your Word to us accomplishes everything that You have sent it into this world to accomplish. So help us today to come humbly before You, seeking Your face, asking You to speak to us, transform us and help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Yay! I like that. Thank you. I need that. Uh, so as we look into J- Daniel chapter 9, um, it's, it's a prayer. Daniel is praying. He is seeking God's heart. He is, uh, uh, and he receives an answer to that prayer. Uh, and that's an awesome thing. And as I prayed about Daniel chapter 9, uh, I just started to, uh, to think about things that go together. And things that don't go together. And so if you're following along in in our sermon notes today, uh, we see that in in the first line. In the book of Daniel, in chapter 9, it reminds us there are certain things that go together and there are certain things that do not go together. Uh, and, uh, And so one of the things that does go together is if you open any book in the Bible and you sit down uh, to read it, if you don't do so prayerfully, you're going to fall short. Uh, you're, you're not going to understand. It might even harden your heart toward the things of God because you're not seeking the heart of God. And so something that always goes together is the Word of God and heartfelt, passionate prayer. And so one of the blessings I think about Daniel chapter 9 is we see that. We see a man of God that we know we can trust that we know He had a heart for the Lord. You might have met people in your life who claimed to be people of God, but you couldn't trust them farther than you could throw them. But Daniel wasn't like that. Daniel was somebody you could, we could trust and we could see the work of God in his life. Uh, and, uh, and so when he came into this and he was studying God's Word, he went to passionate, heartfelt prayer. And that's such an important thing. As you read along, you're praying and you're seeking the heart of God to speak to you. Uh, And and 
and you're saying, God, I'm not just reading this for no purpose or to pass the time. I'm reading this to be with You. I'm reading this to sit with You and ask You to change my life and to change my heart. And so something that we is interesting is that what kind of Bible did Daniel have? Well, he didn't have the English Standard Version like you might have today or the New International Version or the uh, Christian Standard Bible or whatever uh, translation you may have. But he would have had the Pentateuch and he, he says he had the book of Jeremiah to read from. So he had the prophecy of Jeremiah to read from. And if you've ever read the prophecy of Jeremiah you realize you need some Holy Spirit uh, to, for God to speak to you through the book of Jeremiah. But that's what he was studying. And God opened up the Word in the book of Jeremiah and showed him something. Uh, and so let's look at that passage in, in, in Jeremiah 25. Uh, and, and that is what is thought you know, in, in studying what he says about the passage that he was reading. The Word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah... In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the, king of jo- the, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. For twenty-three years, from the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord came, has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened." You have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent to you all His servants, the prophets, saying, Turn now, every one of you, from this evil way and evil deeds and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given you and your fathers from of old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve them uh, and worship them or provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. Then I will do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. And so the people in that time were not listening to the Lord and they were taken in captivity. And Daniel was a part of that. As a young man, he was taken in, uh, in captive by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, because people wouldn't listen to the Lord. And so something that does not go together is God and people who refuse to listen to His Word. And you'll just have to punctuate that sentence however you want to. But people who do not listen to His Word uh, and they're blaming God for all their problems because they refuse to listen to His Word. So the people of Israel did not listen to God. They got taken captive and then it was all God's fault. Why is he doing to this? Why, why is he, you know, why did he allow this to happen? Right? And, and how often are we in that boat? And that just doesn't go together. For us to say, I'm going to do my own thing and live my own way and reject the wisdom of God and the word, what the word of God clearly teaches, what the Holy Spirit clearly directs us and convicts our hearts about. I'm going to do my own thing. And then when I face the problems and the consequences of my own sin, then I'm going to blame God and say it's His fault. Right? That happens all the time and it just doesn't go together. Those two things just don't work out. Uh, but then also as we look into Daniel, he, 
He's studying God's Word. He's wondering, when is this captivity going to be over? When are the people of Israel going to be reestablished? And when are things going to go back to... And he's 90 years old by this time. But when are they going to go back to some sort of normalcy? And he turns his face to the Lord in prayer and in fasting. And so we see the holiness of God and the knowledge of, of His great love is going to lead us to confession. And that's something that we should be seeking in our life. That's something that's always going to go together. As you seek God and you experience God in His holiness, His righteousness, it's going to lead you, when you experience His great love and all that He's done in Jesus Christ, it's going to lead you to confession, to a sense that I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this great God and His love and His compassion and His forgiveness. And that's what confession should really be about. Not, oh, all the terrible, I'm just a terrible person, all the terrible things I've done, and oh, woe is me, and I'm awful. That's not confession. Confession is, God, You are great. You are worthy. You are righteous. And You love me even though I am so sinful and unrighteous and unholy. And so look at verse 4. We see that. He says, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. We have sinned and done wrong, acted wickedly and rebelled turned aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. And I'll let you guys carry on in, in that passage, but... He saw the holiness of God. He saw the righteousness of God and the knowledge of His great love. And that leads us to confession. If you've got a sin problem in your life, it's, it boils down to this. You are not looking to God's holiness and His righteousness and His great companion, His great compassion. You think God exists for you. Do you think God exists like a little slot machine to bless you every now and then and to do what you want? And, and that's idolatry. That's forming and fashioning a God after your own likeness that does what you want to do. But when you come to the Lord in His holiness and His righteousness, one thing that's always going to go with that is, is, a, is a genuine heartfelt confession that I've got to humble myself before this amazing awesome God and I'm just overwhelmed that He loves me and that He that He cares for me that He loves me so much He sent Jesus Christ another thing that doesn't go together is God's righteousness and injustice God's righteousness and injustice not what we perceive to be injustice, but true injustice does not go uh, does not go together with God's righteousness. God is always right. And it doesn't matter what you think about what he does or what he has done, he is always right. And God always does what is right. And it doesn't matter whether we like it or not, or whether we understand it or not, or whether we comprehend it or not. 
And God must righteously punish sinners. And He is right to do that. And He does that perfectly and righteously. Whereas if it were up to us, we would end up punishing people wrongly or punishing innocent people or whatever. We don't because we can't see perfectly and we don't know what to do perfectly. But God does. And God's righteousness and injustice do not go together. Israel didn't like the fact that they were in captivity, that they were taken captive, but that was right for God to do that. And many people suffered and died. And even Daniel spent his life serving a pagan or several different pagan kings and empires. And it was right for God to punish them for what they had done. And so God will bring the kingdom of Satan and all who worship him to a decreed end. To a decreed end. Pick up in verse 14. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that He has done. And we have not obeyed His voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought Your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for Yourself as this day, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to Your righteous acts, let Your anger and Your wrath turn away from Your city Jerusalem, Your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and Your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O Lord our God, listen to the prayer of Your servant and to His pleas for mercy and for Your own sake, O Lord, make Your face to shine upon Your sanctuary which is desolate. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not your, um, for your own sake. Oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. And then he's, his prayer is answered. And angel Gabriel comes and speaks to him and talks to him about the 70 weeks. And we could get into that, but it would take a long time. I encourage you to, to study that. And there's a great calculation of of what the 70 weeks represents, 70 weeks of years, and how it leads perfectly up to the time that Jesus started His ministry, was baptized by John the Baptist. And, uh, and it's pretty amazing to see uh, how accurate that is and how accurate all of Daniel's prophecies are. But he sees that of the 70 weeks. But pay attention to verse 27. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offerings. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. The decreed end is poured out. So the kingdom of Satan, the Antichrist kingdom that will rise in the end times, bringing a one world rulership, uh, bringing everybody under His umbrella. 
but His kingdom and the kingdom of Satan will come to a decreed end. And that will happen because God is righteous. So today I want you to think about your own heart. When our heart is ruled by sin, it's not ruled by God. Those things don't go together. A heart that is ruled by sin, whatever that sin is, whatever, uh, whatever you know, your, your preference for that sin is, is not a heart that is ruled by God. God will not share His throne with our sinful, selfish pride, with our preferences and perversions. God is not going to share His throne. And so that's the key to whatever sin we're facing, whatever hardship that is caused by our own selfish sin and pride, just like Israel's was, is who is on the throne? Who am I bowing down to? Who am I bowing down to? And Satan loves to make you think you're bowing down to yourself, that you're in control, whatever it might be. And he leads you further and further into selfish pride, into your own preferences over the power and the purposes of God, into your own perversions. So have you repented? And write that word down of your sin. You can't repent of anybody else's as much as you might wish you could to help them out. You got to take care of business with God. Have you looked into your own heart and said, God, in every area that I'm not bowing down to you, forgive me. You're a holy and righteous and awesome God, and I don't deserve your love, and yet you love me. Forgive me. And have you invited the Lord Jesus to rule in your life? Have you invited him to come in and rule in your life? Sin and God did not go together. Daniel 9 makes that clear. And the whole history of the Israelites makes that clear. Unrepentant sin does not go together with God. And it doesn't matter how much religion you paint it with. It doesn't matter you know, whatever you try to do, how many good works you try to make that go together. It doesn't work unrepentant sin, unconfessed sin does not go together with God. But through the blood of Jesus, repentant sinners can be cleansed and forgiven. You know, Jesus hung out with sinners and tax collectors. But it wasn't the ones that were happy in their sin and tax collecting. It was the ones that were repentant of it. They wanted something different. They wanted a new life. They wanted the truth that Jesus taught. And so they pursued Him because their hearts were hungry for His righteousness. And so we can run to Jesus and be cleansed. Sin can be dethroned in your life. Hallelujah, isn't that awesome? And you can be eternally connected to God. Think about that. You can be eternally connected to God. As Daniel writes in verse 4, the one and only God who is great, awesome, and He keeps His covenant and His steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Listen to the words of that song, Jesus is tenderly calling thee home. Calling today calling today. Why from the sunshine of love wilt thou roam farther and farther away? 
Daniel longed for Israel to go back home to establish Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple, to see the glory of God reign among the Israelite people. And Paul teaches us as Christians that you're a temple. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're a temple of God. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Daniel weeps and mourns over Jerusalem, over the desolation of the temple, over what about our own lives? Satan has taken us captive. And the only way back is through the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Salvation is about lordship and relationship. Lordship and relationship. And if your religion isn't helping you to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and enter into a relationship with God that transforms every part of your being, then your religion is not of God. Salvation is about lordship and relationship. Who is ruling in your life? Are you in a saving relationship with God? Not a religious relationship. Not a man-made relationship. But you want a relationship that saves. If you went out and bought a car today, you want a car that runs. You want a car that's going to start up on cold mornings. You want a car that's going to accelerate when you need to pass some slow poke on the road, right? You want a car that's going to work. What about your salvation? You sure it's going to work? You sure it's, it's, what, it's what's real and right and, uh, and it's going to save you? Are you in a saving relationship with God? I challenge you today, put Jesus on the throne. And you'll find that you and God fit perfectly together. With Jesus Christ on the throne, you and God fit perfectly together. And He loves to save everyone who turns their face to Him in faith. But you see, the Israelites had turned to idol worship, mixed in with, with the Old Testament law and all these other things, and it didn't work anymore. That dog won't hunt anymore. Right? It did not work anymore. But when Jesus Christ is put on the throne of your life, you're going to find that. You can't explain it. You don't deserve it. You're not worthy of it. But you know that you and God are now in relationship. You and God are now together to the end. And that's an awesome truth to celebrate. I challenge you, turn to Jesus today. The Israelites rejected Him and suffered. And you're going to suffer without Christ. And it only gets worse from here. I promise you that. Turn to Jesus Christ today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we... Uh, we thank You for this Word and we pray You help us to understand You more and more. Help us to seek You through Your Word. And God, we thank You that in Christ we can be perfectly fit together with You in a saving relationship. And I just pray for everyone here today. God, I pray for believers who are already in a relationship with You. Strengthen that relationship, God. Help them, heal them. Guide them. Prune them, God. Help us as Your as your people. And God, for those that are not believing today, for those that are not in a saving relationship, for those that might be deceived 
by religion. Help them to see the emptiness of the idols that they're worshiping. And give them strength right now to turn and put Jesus Christ on the throne. In their own words, God, help them to pray. Help them to confess their sin. No matter what it is, help them to just give it to You. All that darkness, all the shame, all the regret, help them to give it to You and put it on the cross and trust You as You forgive them of all that sin. And You cast it as far as the east is from the west. God, move in a powerful way to save those that are lost right now. And God, if there's someone here that needs to come forward and publicly confess something to You or or publicly proclaim Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, give them strength to do that right now as we close this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.